Hi there, welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Wednesday night, August 26th, 2020. You're listening on August 27th, though. He is Tristan H. Cockroft, fantasy sports genius. Kyle Sapi researches and produces our fine show in perpetuity. And I am Eric Carabell. I'm just happy to be here on today's show. Lucas Giolito is really good. So is Ian Anderson, is Mike Clevenger, and the fantasy half-season MVP. Let's see if Tristan actually read my blog. And a weekend preview. So much to get to on a packed show that I just, I don't even know where to be. Let's begin with Giolito, um, because there was only so much I could say about him in Wednesday's blog, and I decided to turn it into, is Lucas Giolito a top 10 fantasy starting pitcher? And what I came up with, and I'm sure you read this, Tristan, because you read everything I write religiously, is that there's no difference in a lot of these guys. Like, if, if you ask me to choose between Giolito and Flaherty and Clevenger and Bueller, I can't. They're all kind of the same to me, which is a tear in itself. You tell me. Is that crazy? Is it tyranny? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I did read that one. I enjoyed it. And when I saw the original headline of is Lucas Giolito, a top 10 starter, the first thing I thought is, I know you didn't have him ranked anywhere near there in the preseason. So it seemed like a pretty big jump awfully quickly. But when you look at the names, you're right. If you're looking at it from a tier perspective, he does kind of belong. You're right. He he is a little Jack Flaherty esque. I mean, you you know, Clevenger obviously. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Has some other questions involved with him, but he probably belongs there. And you know, I made the case of the preseason he really wasn't far behind these guys. That he was a very clear top twenty starting pitcher. That he had earned it last year. Yeah, I mean, when I delved into it more, and let's not say I ranked him thirtieth. I had him like in the teens. But what concerned me was three good months, three bad months. I saw inconsistency. And this season, he's got, what, five good starts and two bad ones. So I guess I want to see him be consistent, start over start. He faced, like, and that wasn't even a triple-A lineup. Pittsburgh's terrible right now. Why they haven't promoted Brian Hayes, I don't know. He but, asked, by the way, he, he threw the the year's best individual game with 44 fantasy points, and he had a minus nine game. That was his first of the, uh, of the season. So he doesn't have the worst game. He has the no. best game. He has the best game. He, I haven't done it in terms of the top 10 starting pitchers or the top 20, 25, but among the notable fantasy names, the minus nine was among the worst by any pitcher this year. I mean, the thing is, when I look at, the, uh, at your rankings, because I haven't done mine, there are names that left my top 20. Carrasco, um, Castillo, who really isn't so bad. He entered his start yesterday, number two in baseball in FIP, but then didn't get a win again. Otani leaves a top 20. Um, I think Chris Paddock is flirting with leaving the top 20. He looks terrible. Morton's hurt. Uh, Strasburg leaves the top 20, obviously. That's why I think Giolito moves up not by attrition, not so much as I'm, I'm convinced of anything that's happened in the first month of the season. But he looks good, and hey, it's a no-hitter, and good for that. If, if Adam Engel doesn't move all the way in to catch that baseball, you know, it's a one-hitter, does it change anything? No, it doesn't change anything. Did you see the the numbers, the likely outcomes using Statcast for that play? I think eighty five percent of a hit, right? Yeah, I'm incredible. Eighty five percent. He makes that play. It 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 reminds me a lot of the the Mark Burley perfect game with Dwayne Wise and the big catch. Uh, Not quite to that extent, but close. I mean, and by <laughs> the way, yeah, I got to I got to jump in with the trivia on this one because it is no hitter related. Oh boy, I gotta Let's think about do no trivia. Trivia. I've got no hitter trivia. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's just fantastic, man. 
Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, okay. So it is no hitter trivia since we're on the Giolito thing. I want to ask you uh, a particular question related to no hitters. And in fact, yes. we're going to go to guaranteed rate field where Lucas Giolito threw this no hitter. It was the fourth no hitter thrown at this ballpark, which you remember was the uh, originally it was called Comiskey Park. So under any of the names, four no hitters thrown at this stadium. I would like you to name the last one thrown there. Who threw the last no-hitter at Guaranteed Rate Field? Is that Phil Humber? That was in Seattle's Safeco Field. Yeah, I didn't think it was in Chicago. Okay. We'll get well, there. We'll get there later on the show because I'm sure our listeners definitely want to answer this trivia question. Um, by the way, Chicago's offense, I wrote about them on Monday, and I know you read that too. Jose Abreu would be my choice right now for AL MVP, which I believe comes out on Thursday, MLB's regular, not fantasy, but regular MLB, they're all our picks for who's making the playoffs that isn't there now. I, of course, I picked the Phillies. I'm not sure I believe it. Um, Abreu, I think, would be AL MVP right now. And by the way, Bryce Harper's OPS is a th- is 100 points higher, not 1,000, 100 points higher than Tatis. Tatis is going to cool off here. If Tatis ends up batting 270, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm Tatis curious is your MVP. to see the line you put on Fernando Tatis. We were asked that to give a final stat line. I'm curious. Oh, okay. Um, I don't have my email open right now because it makes noise. But um, I would say this. It wasn't that great. Um, it, you know, like it was below 300 batting average. And I think I had him ending up at 20 home runs. He's already at 12. Um, 13 steals maybe. 20, 46, and 13. What did you have? You were a little bit more optimistic than I was. I had a 291 batting average. I had 18 home runs. I had 13 stolen. Was it 13? I'll have to look. I think it was 13 we stolen bases. both had 13. So, it, so I have eight more homers. You have six. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's a fantastic player. I, I guess I... Homers. I'm sorry. I shortchanged him one. I didn't bake into the fact that he may or may not be durable, but he looks great so far. It's like, look, it's 20 games, people. Like, we can't, we have no idea if he's durable. Actually, <laughs> it's almost 30 games. I mean, We're 30 games. The midpoint. Right, 30 games out of 60. Um, I meant 30. All right, uh, what else did I want to say here? I, that's it. Let's move on. Ian Anderson of Atlanta made his Major League debut on Wednesday afternoon against the Yankees, and I have him in a daily league team, and I did not activate him. And it's not like I had somebody else active. I just decided it's his debut. He's facing the Yankees. Might be a pitch count. He threw six innings of one-hit baseball, allowed only the Luke Voigt home run. Yep. Would you have played him? Now, you're the fantasy sage here. I just host the show. Would you have played Ian Anderson? In an NL only, yes. In a mix that's 15-plus, yes. Anything else, no. So that means in the majority of our games, no. This is a 12-team Otanu, and I didn't. I decided not to use him. I should have used him. And I, and I probably would not have – no, in Otanu, it's only innings. It's not starts that you're spending. So I might have used him. That is where it's borderline. I think for the majority of fantasy players, he was a no for today because it was the Yankees. I don't know if you saw any of this game because it's Yankees. You know, I'm going to be all over this one. Very nice changeup. And I like the fact that he's aggressive with it with two strikes. That was something that that did take me a little by surprise. Knew he had a good pitch. But I wasn't overwhelmed by the location. It wasn't one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is this guy's just got it and he's going to be a superstar. I thought it was a very good outing. Obviously, five and a third no-hit innings to begin that outing is, is a great beginning. but. I want to see a little more. Yeah, I watched hockey today, and then I prayed in overtime. Uh, so let me ask you this. Ian Anderson or Cleveland's Tristan McKenzie? You got only one slot. Who are you adding? <laughs> I do think I would add Anderson. Well, yeah, I would add Anderson there. I, I like both. I 
Anderson feels like he's more locked into his rotation spot. Atlanta has some problems in numbers for the rotation. Cleveland does not. Cleveland has depth, and maybe they're going to make a trade, and that's going to deplete it. But I'll go with Anderson just based on likely a role. Cleveland is not trading Mike Levenger or Zach Plesak. I'm sorry. I think that's ridiculous. And but the fact that's mentioned, we have to at least entertain the idea. I agree. It's mentioned with because media people are mentioning it, not the Cleveland team. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, know, I, I, it, they shouldn't. So Clevenger's pitching right now, so we can't really speak to his outing. Um, actually, he's down already, 2-0. Um, any concerns about Clevenger? When I looked it up, he had walked five in each of his past two outings. That's a concern. <laughs> you know, you don't like to see that. If you Darvish was doing that, we would rip him. But Clevenger, we didn't. And Darvish, by the way, was my NL Cy Young pick. How about that? <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. He's one who I would have mentioned up there with Giolito in our previous conversation. Uh the control does concern me a little bit with Clevenger. He did have a little bit of inconsistency early last year. The injuries have been something that people lean on a little bit more for a worry. I'm not as concerned about those. You know, he might actually belong 11-12, even after our previous discussion. He might very well belong 11-12 with a committed rotation spot behind the Giolitos and Flaherty's. There's enough question here. I think there is a little bit of question. And if you want to dump Zach Plesak... Now, he may make a start next week. If McKenzie gets lit up in his, in his outing this weekend, then Plesak's back next week. So, But I, I think it's okay to drop. Zach Plesak's ceiling is not Clevenger or Giolito, people. He was supposed to be a fourth or fifth starter. And then he, and he, then he took that into and risked it all by what he did. Uh, all right, let's move on. We, we haven't talked about any hitters. Kyle Tucker, Houston, looks awesome. Um, this week, he's doing things, a couple homers, RBI. Um, scoring runs, batting in the middle of a, of a decent lineup, even without Bregman and Alvarez. He's stealing bases. Give me Kyle Tucker's 2021 line and what round do you think he would take him in? 2021 for Tucker will look like a – I think the batting average will be about what it is now, so 260s. I think he hits I, – I think he's something like 30, 31, 32 homers, and I'll, I'll probably throw 19 steals on him. Yeah, and I'd I think say that's fair. I'd say he's going to be a very clear top 100 pick. And I know we're jumping on the bandwagon quickly, but this guy was advertised as the five-category filler. Let's throw 75 as the, the pick number. Can Dylan Carlson be Kyle Tucker in a year? Because that's, Ken, the, that's Ken. what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Do you think the power is quite there for Carlson like it is for Tucker? It was last year in the minors. I mean, he's only been up for a week, so I don't know. But I think it can be. Now, Kyle Tucker did it longer in the minors. But, yeah, I mean, Carlson, to me, profiles the same way. A, f- a number four or five hitter in the middle of a lineup. Decent lineup with a smart team. For me, so I, I think I, I'd say a little more batting average, a little bit less power for Carlson than Tucker. But, yeah, I like the idea. What do you think of Austin Nola? Now, Seattle did not play on Wednesday for reasons that we should not get to on this show. Listen to Buster Olney's show. I'm sure they'll have something about it. Listen to the NBA podcast. Very important, people. But Austin Nola is one of the most added players in ESPN leagues, and he really should be. He looks fantastic. Uh, Aaron's older brother, um, eligible at first and catcher. There are two hitters being added over the past week in more, more leagues, Jay Cronenworth and Wilmer Flores. Jay Cronenworth might be the NL Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, there are some major rookies in the National League, but Jay Cronenworth's having a fantastic season. But Austin Nola. Like, I keep dreaming about uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as a catcher, but Austin Nola as a catcher, I mean, he's a top-ten catcher right now. 
He is. I'm glad he got the catcher eligibility in every league I'm aware of because there were a few where he didn't. And I wanted to get him as my number two catcher. I think the power is not elite, but it's certainly legit. It's enough to fuel a number two catcher number. He doesn't have a big batting average liability hitting for a good average right now. I think that's going to come down. The only real gripe I have about him, I'd like to see more walks. It's just not in his game. I get that. John Birdie had a few walks, and then he stole three bases against the Mets. <laughs> that makes me laugh that the Mets let a guy steal home, and he fell down, and he still stole home. You're <laughs> such a great organization. Oh, I know, I know. Only one player has more stolen bases than John Birdie, but is that, like, is a guy with no power. Mm-hmm. So he's basically a one-category guy, and I've been saying you don't want guys like Gerard Dyson on your team or, you know, you, or D. Gordon, you know. But John Birdie, that's a lot of steals for a Roto League. And a points league don't bother with steals. But in a Roto League, that that matters. That's going to win people in only leagues. What John Birdie did just on Tuesday. Yep, definitely. I mean, that's huge for the head-to-head matchups. Oh, absolutely. Um, combo meals, you want to sing that one? <laughs> hey, it's a combo meal. Da, 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 combo, combo. It's a combo meal. Home run plus steal. And you can't see this if you're listening, but, like, he's dancing. He's pointing his fingers at me and dancing on this squadcast. Um, okay. No little thumbs. I'm not Elaine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to call it three combo meals. Technically, it's only two. But Manuel Margot did it on Tuesday. Remember when I thought he was going to be a yes. top 20 fantasy outfitter? Yes, now, you I thought agree. I was a little bit crazy. No, but I didn't. He had a minor league pedigree of, a, like, a champ. Was it that the Kimbrel trade? Um, I the Kimbrel trade, yeah. I thought Margot would have been great. He, now, he's not great now, okay? He just had a combo meal. He doesn't play regularly. But, man, I mean, they could put him in the bullpen. He gets saves. That's that's what Tampa Bay does. Nine different Tampa Bay Rays have saves. Yeah. And the Pirates as a team have two saves. That, that's a, that my one of my favorite stats of the season. I was Nine different Rays. I love that. That's I mean, it's a great stat. I actually was going to go in the direction of trivia doing something about multiple relievers on a team. But... Couldn't put together a really interesting take on it. But uh, that's incredible. By the way, eight different closers or eight different save getters in a row for the Rays. Including (laughs) one of them. The Phillies have the worst bullpen in baseball. We all agree with that. They DFA'd a guy, trade him to Tampa, and he got the save on Tuesday. That's how how dumb Philadelphia is. (laughs) Um, The record for most uh, different pitchers with a save in a season, I think it's 11. I think I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I think it's thirteen, or maybe it's thirteen instead. Because I was looking this up for the trivia. As a matter of fact, I believe the the Rays had twelve last year. I could dig oh, that my. back up again. No, but Nick Anderson could come back this weekend. Just don't assume Nick Anderson's going to get all the saves. They they find people. They just and Jalen Beeks is done with the Tommy John. They just they find people. But you know, I, Ross I Nick stand Anderson by my statement about Anderson being yeah, the best reliever. But not for the saves. I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right. So Manny Margot had a combo meal on Tuesday. I'm going to call Tommy Listella's Wednesday doubleheader a combo meal, even though it was two separate games. But he's so underrated. No. That, no. You know what? In a fantasy On a fantasy team, you don't care if it was done in one game or in two on the same day. You just care that you got the steal and the home run. That's all you care about, Tristan. No. We'll let the, you know what? Let's let the listeners chime in on this one. Yeah. No, because they're going to agree with you. I already know what they're going to say. <laughs> well, they all I, love I you. Your point. No, I actually – I do get your point. Your ledger for the day as a homer and a steal. I get it. That's I my get point. It. 
Kyle, you see my sure. point. Yes, you're a reasonable man. I, you know why I don't like it? Right. Because it's hard for the researchers like me and Kyle. I am a reasonable man, but I, I'm not seeing this part. If you had like a burger for like breakfast and like a soda for dinner, you didn't have a combo meal for like lunch. Like the, 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 the two things don't equate. If your body was a fantasy team, then it would be the same thing. Yeah, I think you're reaching here. Oh, Kyle, that's that is great logic. I like that's it. That's awful logic. What are you? That's awful logic. Did you say a burger for breakfast, or did you have the? Yes, I said a burger for that's breakfast. That's all you heard. That's all you heard was burger for breakfast. <gasps> I'm loving this life where you're having a burger for breakfast. I can't sure. do that anymore. Ooh. By the way, I'm having trouble finishing this cookie. It's now five days. I got to finish it tonight after the show. This is crazy. The cookie was way too big. Um, and then today, already on Wednesday, there might be more later, but Ronald Acuna Jr. comes off the injury list and right away gets a combo meal. That's how good he is. <laughs> he homered in his first at bat back off Garrett Cole. Who, by the way, is doing a Verlander, leading the majors in home runs allowed. How about that? Usually it's someone bad or Verlander. Does it shock you with his own ballpark now? Does it really shock you? It doesn't shock me because he doesn't care because nobody's ever on base when they hit the home runs. Oh, he cares. When he gives up a home run, believe me, he cares. How about how about a rookie in his first start beating Garrett Cole? Yeah. is that amazing? And snapping the win streak. So I, I had a sim team in which Eric Swanson beat Shane Bieber. <laughs> and you know, like stuff like that just happens. Yeah. All right, so I guess we need to close, uh, cl- sing the closer carousel. <laughs> and you're dancing. The fact that you dance during this, but nobody can see except us, just makes me smile every time. <laughs> you're so happy. The you gotta have your, middle, your middle initial really does stand for happy. It's gotta. Come on. You gotta, gotta live it up. All have right. Burger, um, burgers for breakfast. Come on. Burgers for breakfast for all. Daniel Bard or Matt Barnes of the Red Sox. Ooh. Because Barnes looks terrible. He looks shaky every night. He's walking people. And there he probably doesn't have anybody else in that bullpen that could take the role from him as as opposed to Bard. You know but, what? You, you, you've talked me in yeah, you've talked me into it. It's Bard. You know what? You're reminding me that Barnes did get the chance last year and he had similar problems. And I don't want to make it like a Latroy Hawkins thing as to, oh, he's a guy who can't handle the closers job. But you're right. He's been inconsistent and inefficient. I'm thinking of writing about um, closers for Thursday and who would be like the MVP among closers. Actually, we didn't do any of the MVP stuff at halfway point, you know, because when I look at the, you know how I am with like midseason MVP stuff. It can't, Fernando Tatis can't be the midseason MVP in baseball, in fantasy baseball, even if he's number one on the Raider, because it's the Trout theory. He was, you know, a second round pick. So it's got to be somebody else. It's got to be Kyle Lewis. Or it's got to be Yastrzemski or Kenta Maeda. Um, you know, you saw the column I wrote. It's got to be somebody like that. Yep. And Lewis, you make a very compelling case for. I mean, his numbers are even better than I recognized that they were. He's been a heck of a lot more patient. I, I, I point out one thing. Tatis was actually a third rounder in ESPN leagues. He was going in the first or early second round in the NFBCs, not the ESPNs. So I think the case can be made. He's the MVP, but I like the Lewis nomination. I think Kyle, well, I named like eight or 10 players in the block. Um, I think if I had to pick one, it'd be Kyle Lewis. And you're going to think this is crazy. But if I had to pick one relief pitcher for fantasy MVP of the first half, Mm -hmm. it's also on Seattle. And it's a guy who's still available 
in at least half. Yep, he's the most added relief pitcher in ESPN leagues, but he's still available as of this talk in 57.8%. Taylor Williams of Seattle is actually the number three. Well, he's the number three pure closer on the player radar for the season. Number two is Jordan Romano. So if I'm going to say Taylor Williams, I'd have to go with Jordan Romano. Neither of them were drafted in any leagues. So I guess Romano's the answer over Williams. But I'm if you actually need both. if you needed saves, Williams has twice as three times as many. Let's just say this. Let's combine the 1977 expansion teams have the top two fantasy relief pitcher MVP candidates. I, I don't think so, just because you've made the case as to why they're not, and that is that they're still out there, which means people have reaped none of the rewards. And I do think that is absolutely important for judging the MVP. Well, then who is who is it? Because Brandon Kinsler is number four, and he's available even in more leagues. It can't I be know. Liam Hendricks. I'm I'm scanning each of the closers on the list to Pagan. I don't see. I I see your point, but I guess the point of the column should be that if you look at the top ten closers right now, like seven or eight of them still are available in half of ESPN leagues. That's the whole point. Um, Trevor Rose is probably not rostered an awful lot. I mean. Gosh, you know who really is the MVP? It's Kenley Jansen. Why? Why is it Kenley Jansen? I don't even see his name. Jansen was not a top five. Don't see his name on on the player reader. Oh, I'm looking in the wrong. So I'm looking in the last seven. Forget it. I'm wrong. Everything I just said is ridiculous. Yes. Okay. Haters there. Jansen's there. I was looking at last seven. I screwed it up. But even looking at the full season. Jordan Romano and Taylor Williams are still in the top 10. Yeah, they've been excellent. Uh, now, to your point, they have provided you a good amount of value. And if you want to talk bang for your buck picks, absolutely. I also think it's – I kind of think it's embarrassing at this point that those guys are still out there in as many leagues as they are. All right. Um, what else? I guess enough of the closers. Let's get to the preview now. Take a look at the big long weekend. This is not – right? This is not the uh, Labor Day weekend. We'll deal with that next week. But starting with Thursday's schedule, ESPN Plus in the afternoon has Yusei Kikuchi and Garrett Richards if they decide to play. That's the Mariners and the Padres. Let's look for some pitchers here. Sixto Sanchez makes his second start. This is at uh, City Field. I'll I'll always call it Shea. Um, Sixto Sanchez, were you impressed by his first outing? Obviously, he throws hard. That's 100 miles an hour whenever he wants to. But I don't know. I mean, like his off-speed stuff doesn't look that special to me. Um, now, the Mets didn't even score a run on Tuesday in a doubleheader, so I think Sixto can handle them. But for the rest of the season, like Randy Dobnak is also pitching on Thursday at Detroit. If you said to me, Randy Dobnak versus Sixto Sanchez, 95% of people listening would say Sixto. I might say Dobnak. Is that, is that crazy? No, I'm with you. I would, And I, I wouldn't hesitate to do that. I think it is Dobnak over Sanchez. I agree with you. The velocity is impressive. I'm going to say the one great thing there, it was that. The, like, like the one great thing was the changeup for Ian Anderson. But I'm not seeing enough yet here from him. And the other thing is, we got to bring up the fact that these younger pitchers are just not lasting very long into games. And that matters. I think Dobnak is, uh, has much better odds of pitching deeper into this game. I agree. And I, I, I would love more strikeouts out of Randy Dobnak, but I'm going to take what I'm getting. He's winning every outing. His team scores a million runs for him. He's at Detroit, mm-hmm. you know. That's not, a matchup to play, no question. Matchup to play there. Spencer Howard's in Washington. I'm not using Spencer Howard. Not against Scherzer. Not against anybody right now. He's not going deep enough into these games. Yep. I'd use Kyle Freeland um, against Zach Gallon. That's a nice matchup I want to see. Friday, 
Um, ESPN Plus has uh, Tyler Anderson, the rejuvenated one, who I have in labor. And by the way, I'm like either winning or like a point out of labor and tab. Part of the reason is some of these pitch. Oh, my God. Look what the Nationals just did. They just dropped a fly ball. Um, part of the reason is because I picked up guys like Tyler Anderson and Kyle Freeland when you were like, that's crazy. And now some of these guys are working out. You know, it's like I have Corbin Burns on a team. You know, when you have a bench, you do a lot different things than when you don't have a bench. Hands <laughs> off my Corbin Burns. He's mine. <laughs> no, you're right, though. I mean, Anderson has been quite solid. I hear filthy rumors that you. I think you, you still haven't cleared that space for him yet. <laughs> uh, I activated Tyler Anderson in labor for Cal Quantrill. Who oh, zero, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, player. That's a no brainer. Okay. I did not trade Robbie Ray. I don't know when he's pitching, but I'm going to be looking closely because I, he's I pitching. Uh, he tonight. pitched today. Yeah. Oh, did it go badly? <laughs> I don't think that game's underway yet. <laughs> um, I could have traded him for a catcher, and, and I'm surprised our friend hasn't reached out. I'm sure he will be tomorrow. Um, all right. So moving on. Uh, yeah, that game is not until later tonight. Uh, so that is. Uh, uh, is Friday. Anybody else on Friday that we need to discuss? Yep, I'm taking a quick scan through to see. Your boy Luke Weaver is uh is is facing San Francisco. He should do well there, I guess. I you know, we it dawned upon me after we taped the last show that we didn't mention Mike Miner's struggles this year and the need to move on from him gets the game against Lo- uh, Los Angeles. We I think we kind of flubbed on that, don't you think? Oh, he needs you, you can't use him against the Dodgers. I I think he's a. It's an okay to move on from him. So before I ended up scrapping the Wednesday blog entry for Giolito, you know what it was? You know what I was going to write about? I looked up all the left-handed starting pitchers, except for one that were in the top ten that had two hundred strikeouts last year, are all a mess. They're either injured for the year, like the Boston guys, or they're Robbie Ray, Matthew Boyd, uh, Mike Miner. Uh, the list goes on. There's like 18 lefties that had 150 strikeouts last year, all the way down to Mats and 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 Lucchese, and they're all awful except for Ryu, Kershaw, Corbin, Corbin. Yeah. Like, do you think that's a? And I, my problem was, how do I make that into an actionable point? We're not going to avoid left-handed starting pitchers in future seasons, but isn't it odd? That so many left-handed starters that were strikeout guys last year. I mean, just Boyd and Ray, like being and Minor as two hundred strikeout guys that you had, a, and Bumgarner. These are guys who were all dropping. Isn't that odd? Is that a coincidence, or is it because larger rosters they have more lefty killers, or is it something else? That's what I wonder is the lefty killer thing. But I'm I, I looked don't... it up. I didn't see any notion of like like that happening. Well, remember, for you and I, the sim bias comes into play because it's known numbers, so you can stack uh, lefty killers. The other thing is a lot of us will have the memory of the righty stacking that teams would do against Chris Sale. If you recall, teams would load up with the Jordan Liplow types just to face him. Yeah, But yeah, you're right. Year over year, the lefties have struggled a bit. And I know you and I have talked about that a little, that we're a little more hesitant to trust lefties year over year than we are righties. But we, we we were not running away before this season of these guys. I mean, Bumgarner's different, okay? He, he's at, that's actionable. He left the team to go to a new team. But Boyd, Ray, um, you know, Ryu, like Ryu's been fine, but like 
we weren't scared of these these pitchers because they were left-handed. You might have had doubts about Mike Miner, but not because he was left-handed. Right. It wasn't because they were lefty. I, I was fading each of them because I thought the numbers would regress for certain reasons, each different. But yeah, you're right. It wasn't because of their left-handedness. All right. Um, moving on to Saturday, ESPN Plus has Austin Voth, who's about to lose his rotation spot. And Washington has nobody else against Nate Evaldi. Uh, I have Austin Voth in labor right now, and I'm very disappointed. I'm sure Steve Gardner will agree. I, I, I thought there was going to be a good season here, but if he pitches that badly at Fenway Park on Saturday night, I might have to just drop him, Tristan and activate Cal Quantrill and just drop Voth. Half the season's over. If he's going to get lit every time, he's going to cost me a chance at a title. So that's going to happen. First guy um, to go, by the way, if they make a trade, I think, at least as things stand right now. You think Nationals are trading Austin Voth? Or no, trade for a starting pitcher? If the Nationals acquire starting pitching help, that's the spot they're looking at upgrading. Any interest in Ryan Castellani of the Rockies? I didn't think so. Not really. Okay. Uh, Lazardo Granke, that's fun. Oakland, Houston. Oh, that's Oakland, Houston. That's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. By the way, I included Lance Lynn in that story today with Giolito and um, Bueller and Nola and these other right handers. I think he deserves it. Do you think that's crazy? You included it in the story of the Cy Young candidate. Poten- no, potential top 10 fantasy starter, Lance top Lynn. 10, okay. All right. Yes, because. Uh, the spoiler alert on this one is that that's that's the pick I had for Cy Young. Oh, you had Lance Lynn, okay. Yeah. So on the MLB, he's not going to, but he can't win. He's on Texas. They're not making the playoffs. No, I, I, I guess I I said I said in it. I think he's traded to the White Sox by next oh. year, and he wins the Cy Young as a dual team. Pick. I like that. Okay. One of the I, I I am in. And and you look again. I'll I got it. I give you. I'm giving you absolute credit for this one. You pointed out to look closer at Lance Lynn. I did warm to him pretty slowly, and you accelerated it. You're right. He has done major things to change his skill set. I had, I have Lance Lynn everywhere. I had him everywhere last year too. I also have Mike Miner, but one out of two is still good enough to win a fantasy league. Yep. Sunday night baseball on ESPN. It's again the Braves and the Phillies for the second straight week. Uh, this time it's Josh Tomlin, not Randy, against Jake Arrieta. Uh, earlier on ESPN2, it'll be Johnny Cueto and Alex Young. Uh, Chris Paddock is pitching at Coors Field. Man, a guy who's really struggling, and now he's got to pitch at Coors. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get – like Paddock's ERA is bloated, and he, and he deserves all of it. I wonder if we're going to get to the point where we have to talk about Chris Paddock being dropped. I think so, yeah. And what I can completely sing is that he's in the adjustment year, and because it's a shortened one – Maybe people forget it, but I still think there there is going to be a lot of bargain potential on Paddock in twenty twenty one. So you're you're a buyer, even though this season he might be a guy we I, drop. I think we're finding a time in the dynasty and the keeper leagues and all of those long term to invest in Chris Paddock. But you're correct that right now I'm concerned, and this is an absolute no of a matchup. I don't think Paddock is being dropped anywhere. Let me check. No, I don't see him being dropped anywhere. But it's, it could be a time to get him. It, the, the trade market on him could have softened. I guess it's time to bring in Kyle now. And let's get to some hash browns in here. Kyle, what do we got? Yeah, Ryan coming in with a couple dynasty and short-term questions. He wants to know if Jake Cronenworth can sustain this output for the year. And the second part of his question was, what do you think Vlad's dynasty league value is as it stands right now? I know there are people that want to run away from Vlad, and I, I still think that's crazy. But you tell me. I mean, I, I, you know, have you changed? He's batting two forty five as we speak, 
four home runs, but a good walk rate. And he's not striking out very much. He's making contact. The problem is he's hitting it all on the ground still. But he's also only 21, Tristan. I, I can't run away. I mean, obviously the Hall of Fame comment is ridiculous. But I don't think anything that Vlad does in this 60-game season is going to make me scared to take him next year. Now, I'm not going to rank him in my top 50 if he continues this. But, like, to me, Vlad is still a guy you have to build around in a dynasty league, don't you think? I would definitely think so. The other thing, too, is he has been a little bit more productive lately. As a matter of fact, past seven games, 26 fantasy points for the points leagues. Uh, Not fueling an awful lot of Ks during that time. It looked like only two during them. That's a bit of an improvement. The time's going to come for him. That's another guy who, in the Dynasty Leagues, this is approaching last call situation on him. I'm, I'm still on board. Now, Jay Cronenworth, um, looking at it now, is 342, 402, 608. Now, that's crazy. All right, I agree with that. But I, the reason I got him on a couple teams is because I saw his minor league numbers. He won a minor league batting title last year, International League. Babip is 375, so that's a little bit too high. Uh, but he doesn't strike out. He does walk. He's hitting everything hard. I love what I see out of Jake Cronenworth. I'm trying to think of a comp here. Did we do this already? And we couldn't. You said Kipnis, I think, or was that someone else? Um, I, I think if it, it was someone else. So it, say Cronenworth is San Diego's second baseman in 2021. All right. Would we project 15 homers, 15 steals, 290? Or is that still too generous? Is he the left-handed David Fletcher? Hmm. That might that might that might work. And I I personally would prefer if I know he's starting, I personally would prefer him to Fletcher because I think that there's a little more natural pop there. I think you have more natural pop. But I, I do think that like Fletcher is an important guy for a fantasy team because yes. you know he that's a that's a legit three hundred batting average. And next year, it could be double digits in homers and steals. Not a lot, but 10 homers, 10 steals, 300 batting average with 80 runs scored. That's, and eligibility everywhere, that's important. And Cronenworth's got that eligibility now, and he might have a lot of it next year as well. So I like Jake Cronenworth a lot. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm not taking Cronenworth over Vlad, even if you know he beats him this year. But um, all right, Phillies are definitely going to blow this lead. What do we got next? People Ross wants to know if there's any change in your feelings on Joe Adele long-term. He looks lost right now, and Ross needs to be talked off the ledge. He's, he's ready to give up. I just updated my stats on Joe Adele, and wow. Yeah, 50% K rate, right? He has, of anybody entering Wednesday, of any player who played at least 15 games, he has the worst fantasy point total, minus four for the year. Minus four fantasy points. But... I think it's okay to run away for this pandemic virus irregular season, but I'm not running away in the future. I mean, I think with Vlad and Adele, I and Spencer Howard and Nate Pearson, they are going to come at huge discounts next spring, and they really shouldn't. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Hesitant. Yes. Um, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be a lot more forgiving of players like that, young players thrown into the fire like this who struggled. And in Joe Adele's case, we we cautioned that this guy had a wide range of outcomes. He's on the low end of it right now, and he still has great power and speed potential. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how forgiving. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm more forgiving than most people. I can't believe the Nationals demoted Carter Keboom again. 
I, I just I don't. It's not like they did the they demoted him so he could get playing time in the minors. There is no minors. Right. They just basically didn't want him on the roster. That's ridiculous. They never gave him a his, chance. They never gave him a chance. I mean, I I would play a Struble as well. You have a shot to win the you know get make the playoffs. And Struble is one of the more underrated players in fantasy baseball. He has been for a decade. I almost wrote about him, but still, like, I'm not going to give up on Keyboom next spring either. I'm not. Or Adele. No. If you want to drop Adele right now for who's being added, that's an outfielder. Um, I mean, Santander is already rostered in most leagues. Ian Happ, Canna, Will Myers, Andrew McCutcheon. I would take all these players right now over Joe Adele. Brandon Nimmo, I would take him. Piscotti, I think I might even take him. I mean. Mm, Piscotti, I think we're getting close. Hunter Dozier, by the way, underrated, like him a lot, still available in 40% of leagues. Um, Sam Haggerty's a guy to watch on Seattle. Like, I hate to say I would drop Joe Adele for John Birdie, but if you have a shot to win right now and you need stolen bases in a roto league, Joe Adele just ain't getting it done. It's not a lot of time. It's a very small sample, but. Whoa, who hit that? <laughs> the thing went quite a, quite a long distance for the Mets. <laughs> Sorry, that's what happens when we have a game going on in the background. Conforto, Michael Conforto. All right, so we're dropping Joe Adele. But not yeah, in the dentist. And redraft, and redraft. Yes. Sounds good to me. Justin wants to know who's most worth the stash in the 12-team dynasty league, Caleb Smith or Sandy Alcantara? So right now they're both on the injury list, I think. Caleb Smith was another one of those 200 strikeout guys or like, you know, 150 plus yep. who's done nothing. But I think he's been the out with Let's be fair to Caleb Smith here. Come on. Well, it's the virus, okay? Yeah. But um, the point is he hasn't helped your fantasy team. That's what I'm not trying to be mean to him. I'm just trying to say he hasn't helped your fantasy team. Yeah, I just I don't think he I don't think he's had a bad year because he's been absent for a lot because of the virus. He hasn't been Robbie Ray. I will give you that. <laughs> it's it's not a Robbie Ray Matthew Boyd situation with Caleb okay. Smith. Yeah, but he yeah. but he but he hasn't pitched. Alcantara, I wanted to see if he would if he would start striking out more hitters. Like I have him on a sim team with you, and he's pitching really well, but that K rate is like five point five per nine. He also has like thirty double plays. That I don't know if that plays in real life. You know, yeah. Kyle just yawned. Kyle's very tired. Is it after your bedtime, Kyle? Way past my bedtime. It's so dark here. <laughs> I, I take out dark here too. Don't worry. Yeah, um, it did get dark there. Al, Al- Alcantara. Alcantara. Uh, yeah, he's got five years on Caleb Smith. That's, That's pretty big. That's pretty big in the Dynasty League. That means there's time for him to develop the skills that will fuel K's. Hello, Lance Lynn. Remember, he did it. So it can be done by certain pitchers by making the necessary adjustments. But because it's you might need to win now, I mean, I, I trust Smith more this year. That, that could matter. We're talking way down the list in Dynasty Leagues. Fair enough. All right, we got one more before we get to Tristan's trivia answer. Craig needs help making up ground and batting average. With his stars dragging him down, he wants to know if you have any advice for ads to help him. Well, in a general sense, the way to help a batting average is to cut loose the guys who are killing the batting average, unless you think they're going to bounce back quickly. Like you if you've got Altuve, Gallo, and Yelich, so hard to kind of. Well, two of those guys are going to bounce back. Gallo may not. 
I mean, Altuve and Yellich should bounce back quickly, but I don't know about Joey Gallo, man. I, he could bat 200 all season long. I, I'd I mean, be with you that Gallo needs to go out of those because he's already dug you enough of a hole, but you're right. I mean, why would you get rid of Altuve and Yelich? They should rebound. They should rebound. Um, I'm trying to see here. Who are the worst batting average guys on the player radar? Justin Upton, Evan White, who's been much better. Uh, the dumped Daniel Vogelbach. Why would Toronto want him? Scott Kingery has shown me nothing this season. I don't, I'm not even sure why Philadelphia still plays him. Um, Matt Olson will be fine. Hunter Pence is unemployed. Eugenio Suarez should get better. Gary Sanchez probably won't. Rudinetto Odor won't. Uh, Shed Long. I have a chance to trade for Shed Long in a um, in a in a not a in, a in a sim league where I could keep him for a few years. Would you do that? Now, you don't know what I'm trading away, but nothing. I'm not trading away anything. Would you invest in Shed Long? I guess. Yes. Um, if you have an opportunity to get him for something, you're not going to miss it all. Yes, I would. I would make that move. So, I mean, who can you add that can help you in batting average, I guess, is the real question here. If you're not going to – I mean, Tommy LaStella is a safe batting average guy. He will not hit below 275. He is. He's safe. Yeah. Yanny Diaz is safe. Um, McCutcheon will get better. If somebody drop him in your league, go get McCutcheon. He should hit 275 from here on out. Verdugo I hit, might, might hit 300 from here on out. Brandon Nimmo, well, that's more walks. Um, Votto, no, sorry, done. Joey Votto's done. You know that. He's so, done. Matt Olson. I find it interesting you brought up Matt Olson because the fact he's hitting one seventy five did stand out to me. But he can't um, do that for long, right? Right. So, what I typically will do because the perceived values are deflated on the trade market, I go to things like the Statcast expected batting average. Olsen actually registers fifth on the largest differential going the wrong direction, which means they think they're saying right here, he should have batted 256 with the numbers he's put forth so far. Big, big positive regression. Kingery's number one on this list. I agree with you, Eric. I'm not really a buyer there. Dylan Carlson's high on this list. Miguel Cabrera, mm, not a big buyer. Eduardo Escobar. Buy. Not a great, definitely buy. Yeah, not a great start, but I like him to rebound. He's, he's not, he's not a 194 hitter. Uh, Wow, here's an interesting one. Corey Seager's batting 300. He's 11th on this side. They expect he should have hit 370 with what he's doing. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Because um, I, when I view Corey Seager, the power in the batting average, I think it can't get any better. But maybe he's a future MVP candidate. They are suggesting here that he has vastly underperformed his numbers, what his true number should have been. They say a 370 batting average and a 492 expected weighted on base average. That would be among the major league leaders, by the way. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Fourth best expected weighted uh, on base average so far this season, behind only Juan Soto, Brad Miller, and Jake Cronenworth. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I hadn't thought about that, honestly, when I looked through his numbers. But I do like what you're talking about. And I was looking at it on the pitching side because I was thinking of Luis Castillo's bad luck. Yep. How he had an ERA of 450 and a 202 FIP. He was second in the majors before that start yesterday in FIP. And I bet if I looked again, I would see that he's not, you know, nothing really has changed. Let me go now and check out FIP. Because to me, Luis Castillo, that outing against the Brewers on Tuesday, it was good for like four innings or three innings. And then all of a sudden it just fell apart again. And, and, and it wasn't getting lit up. These were not like, you know, roundhouse doubles off the wall. It's just, it was very strange what was happening to him. So. 
to the I optimism would, on this question, incidentally, Christian Yelich is 14th on the side, should be batting 268. Wow, the worst fit, Mike Fires on Fangraphs, even worse than Boyd and Paddock. Chris Paddock, by the way, his FIP is worse than his ERA right now. How about that? Oof, that's a little bit scary. Yeah. It's a great Carrasco story. His ERA and his FIP are both really high. Um, I'm not sure you want to invest there. And I want to believe in him. So Luis Castillo, his FIP went from 202 to 207 after Tuesday's outing. How about that? The top, the top guys in FIP, Bieber, Castillo, Granke, DeGrom, Darvish, all guys doing well except for Castillo. Wow. Yeah. Strange. And actually, well, this guy's not a rookie, but Fran Valdez Is Fran Valdez a rookie? I don't think he is anymore. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember if he still qualifies. I could look okay. it up. I don't think he does. Anyway, let's answer your trivia question now, and then let's all go to bed since Kyle probably already did. Um, this was the last – what was it again? Uh, last there have been four no-hitters now. Lucas Giolitos was the fourth no-hitter thrown at guaranteed rate field. I'd like you to name the last pitcher to do it. Who threw the last no-hitter at guaranteed rate field? Well, I'm assuming it's not Burley. Burley threw the first two. So it was somebody between Burley's two and Giolitos yesterday. Well, now two days ago. <laughs> now, I can give you to a hint if you would like it. Sure. Okay. This pitcher's no-hitter generated what was tied for the worst Bill James game score in the past 100 years. <laughs> oh, that the A.J. Burnett one? No. That Mariano? was 2001. Francisco Mariano is yeah. correct. Well done. What did he do, walk like eight or something? He walked six batters and had two Ks, if I recall. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't miss any bats that night. <laughs> and you remember that was the train wreck of advice that I gave that day. You said don't start him. Yeah. Oh no, I made, my column said trade Francisco Liriano hours before that. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't seem to remember that one. That we don't put that on the Tristan is a fantasy genius resume, do we? I'll I'll remind you that it did work out pretty well if you did subsequently trade him. It worked out quite handsomely for you. Yeah, he, he fell apart, or he got hurt after that, right? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he, he didn't pitch well, and he got hurt. Both of those. But I, I let's just say I had a fun time going through my mentions after that. You know what? I don't even look anymore. Um, oh, back then it was a little more fun, though. the The mentions were very creative and not just nasty. But it used to be fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> we are done uh, for today thank you so much for listening to our little show the fantasy focused baseball we know you have other choices and we appreciate you listening I don't care if you download but just listen we're trying to have some fun here um, we know the football is coming up and obviously a very well known fantasy football podcast at ESPN you should be listening to that as well it's excellent these are our friends and colleagues so please listen to them and Kyle Sapia as well who's a researcher and producer of that show as well um, Anyway, this is the baseball show. We'll continue to do it as long as we can. We are going to be back, I think, on Sunday night, which is, what, the last day of August? Is that what that is? 30th. 30th is actually Sunday. All right, so that's the 30th. So we will be back on Sunday night during the Braves-Phillies game for the second consecutive week to talk fantasy baseball. So please have a good and safe and healthy weekend, and uh, we will talk to you and be awesome.